Lord and precious King of revival, we are ripe for revival, and our prayer this morning is that we shall reignite and rekindle a move and a spirit of revival within us today. Lord, we are ripe for revival at personal level. The church is in need of revival. The world is in need of revival. All your people are in need of revival. A move that is going to get us back unto who you are, Lord, and get us away from our personal and self-centeredness and get us away from all these focuses of the world and the fears and the worries. We are waiting for you, King of Revival. Ignite that within us. A fresh fire, a fresh touch, a fresh direction, a fresh recommitment is what we need and is what we are praying for. We know it is only you that can ignite revival. So we are counting on you, King of Glory. Forgive us for our lack of focus. But Lord, we are back to you and we are praying that may you do what only you can do. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Friends, I don't know whether you've gotten uh, to a point in your life where you feel like, hmm, wait a minute. I'm not exactly what I'm meant to be. I don't know whether days have come and you've evaluated yourself and you're saying, but this is not what I used to be in the spirit. Probably you're like, I did not, you know, I used to pray better than I'm praying right now. I used to hear things better in the spirit than I'm doing right now. Maybe you look at the church, maybe you hear what your forefathers used to do or used to go through and the way they used to seek the Lord. And you're like, this is not what I'm meant to be. The greatest um, a means of baseline that we could uh, uh, probably use is the church in Acts or what we call um, the first church. As some scholars call it the primitive church, doesn't sound very good, but it is grammatically correct and theologically okay. You look at them and see the things they used to do, the sharing, the prayer, the focus on the word, you see, and you are not surprised why they had to live at such very high and remarkable spiritual levels as they did. So today we want to embark on a topic that is entitled spiritual hunger and revival spiritual hunger and revival where there is no spiritual hunger you cannot have revival where there is no focus on the word of god on prayer on the holy spirit you cannot have revival so we are going to be looking at that for some time and friends where why do i go into this right now it is the guidance of the lord when you look at the discouragement in people's hands when you look at what is happening in the world which many of us want to uh, imagine that it hasn't happened before here the bible teaches and we've been teaching that these things have happened before uh, people get to lose uh, their focus in one way or the other they get to think maybe god has disappointed them and uh, when we are alienated one from the other we some somehow get to um, lose our focus in the spirit and therefore this calls for revival our passage uh, this morning as we introduce uh, this topic today um, the passage this morning. Today I'm going to be basically talking about understanding revival. The other one is a general theme, but I want to zero it down to um, a much more smaller one today that says understanding revival. And the passage of focus is Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. It says, uh, verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigionoth. Lord, I have heard the reports about you and i fear O oh lord revive your work in the midst of the years in the midst of the years make it known in wrath remember mercy 
That is our passage, just two verses. Uh, friends, um, the, the name Habakkuk means he who embraces. In other words, it means he who drops his personal focus and his personal position and embraces the position of God or the will of God. Basically, that is what it means. Habakkuk is a, a pre-exilic book, or it was a book, a message that was received by Prophet Habakkuk uh, before the children of Israel were led into Babylonian captivity. And we are saying that there was a lot of perversion in the land. Uh, people were not caring about the Lord. There was a lot of idolatry and injustice. When you go back to chapter 1, you're going to see Habakkuk lamenting before the Lord, and he says, how, how long shall I call out and you do not hear? And I say, help, and you not hear. I cry out to you, violence, yet you don't save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? So this was a holy man living in the midst of a myriad of wayward people. And he was saying, Lord, how long am I going to call out to you? There was a lot of injustice. He says people are stealing land. People are taking things away from others. People's land that is, is meant to be hereditary uh, in accordance with the law um, is, you know, is being taken away by the wealthy. And people cannot get their cases judged the right way. This was what was happening in Judah and such a time. And this man knew scripture and he's saying, God, where are you? And he knew the repercussions that would come out of this. And there was a lot of idolatry. And he started crying out before God. Now, when God comes in response, in verse 5 of chapter 1, he says, look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder. Because I'm doing something in your days, you would not believe if you were told. For behold, I'm raising up the childings that are uh, that fierce and impetuous people who march throughout the earth uh, to seize um, the dwelling places which are not theirs. Now listen to this. God says, yes, I've heard your prayer and I'm coming. And my response is that I'm going to bring the childings or the Babylonians to hit you, whisk you off and take you to captivity. You see that? That was the response that God made. And then Abaku goes right ahead and says, God, no, you cannot do that. <laughs> you can't do that. Remember when you pray, God has the right not to answer um, in the way that you want. But he actually answers. He has the right to answer. Yes, he has the right to say no. He has the right to say wait. Uh, you see that? Um, so when God came, he came with that kind of response. I'm bringing a people uh, that are, um, you know, ravenous, impetuous, they are going to come and they are going to take people, beat them up and take them into captivity. And uh, there were a, 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 a terrible lot of people and Habakkuk knew them. They were reigning in the world at that time. And he tells God, but God, no, you can't do this to us. You just can't. And then haggling back and forth, Habakkuk finally, by the time he gets to chapter 3, he settles down to God's position. And that is why um, his name actually fits the title of the book. Um, he says his name is Habakkuk. And um, basically, he drops his position and he embraces the position of God. Now, when God, when Habakkuk settles for the position of God and he knows that God is taking them into captivity, that is where he says, but God, you are a great God. In the midst of the years, remember, eh? remember revival. Eh? Lord, I have heard the report about you and I fear. 
In other words, I've heard that you've decided to take into take us into captivity. And I know it is right and you never do commit any sin. But he says, I fear. Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. He says, even when we are going into captivity, Lord, in your wrath, remember mercy. Please revive us. Bring us back into your position, into a position of worshiping you, honoring you into our land. This is what he says here. When we speak of revival, it is clear from the perspective of Habakkuk that revival basically in simple terms refers to getting back to a prior position that you occupied or you enjoyed before. But since we are speaking about spiritual revival here, uh, basically spiritual revival means rekindling one's spiritual fervor or um, spiritual flame that was nearly waning or getting extinguished through the move of God and eh, by the Holy Spirit based on prayer and the word of God. Revival basically is rekindling your spiritual flame through a spiritual hunger that is ignited by the work of the Holy Spirit and through prayer and the word of God as agents of revival. When we speak of revival, there are many things that people speak of and they're like, we are getting revival, we are getting revival. But you get to see that maybe the pastor is working up this particular thing. Revival is the work of God. No one can ever engineer revival except the Lord. Of course, he uses men. He uses men. We are going to be looking at the foundations of revival starting tomorrow. But remember, the theme says, um, spiritual hunger and revival. So we shall look at that kind of thing. When people don't hunger for God, revival cannot come. It cannot come. And we shall see the agents of revival. Basically, that is what it is. Friends, why does God permit us to look at revival today? Because we need it. You get to look at our focus on the Lord and it is wanting. When we go into this kind of isolation, when the church goes, uh, you know, kind of, of, a kind of on of um, recess in terms of general fellowship, then there is need for revival, because uh, the Lord reveals that when people are scattered all over, it calls for a very intense, incessant, and deep spiritual discipline for people to remain ignited. But oftentimes, when people are on their own, especially in days of predicaments of the scale of COVID, it becomes hard to maintain the spiritual stature and fervor that we need to have. So we need revival. Many things are happening. We don't know what is happening outside there where you are. But chances are that as you stand alone, you're discouraged, you're beaten up. You know, you end up doing things that you don't have usually done. If you have the encouragement of your pastor at church and of your fellowship and you have the warmth of fellowship, you're going to realize that one um, outstanding mark of the early church was um, fellowship and breaking of bread, studying the word together and worship. So I, I pray that the Lord will encourage us that in this kind of isolation, we shall not lose out on the Lord. We shall not lose out on our fellowship and spiritual fervor and connection. So friends, that is what revival is, uh, and uh, we understand it as we understand it from the perspective of Habakkuk as he prays. Can we begin yearning for revival and tell God, I, I used to pray better than this. I used to love you better than this. I used to stand stronger in storms better than this. You know, it takes the Spirit of God for you to realize that you're no longer what you used to be. And there, begin yearning for revival and tell him, oh Lord, revive us as 
in the early days as in the years past. So uh, that is where we are right now. Why um, is there uh, why a need for revival? Uh, why do you have uh, a need for revival? The need for revival is premised on one major thing, the personal willpower that man has, including believers. What do I mean by this? God has created man to tap off him and draw life from him, but God is not a dictator. God does not impose himself upon man. You need to understand that. And this is why people oftentimes question God and they're like, but why is suffering in the world? Why is there suffering in the world? Why does God permit me to sin? He doesn't permit you to sin, but he gives you, you know, in love, he gives you a personal willpower to exercise, which basically would bring out the essence of divine fellowship if you're basically submitting on your own and God is not making you a puppet in any way. Uh, you, you, you see that, my uh, friend? I want to uh, draw your attention to um, a, a, a very good scripture here in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 15. It explains this point and drives it home very well. Uh, Deuteronomy um, 30, 15 says, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. Eh? Some of your versions say life and a, 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 a blessing and a curse, life and death. Yeah. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply, that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it, to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. Now, friends, there is something that is very clear there. You get to see that God lays before you life and death, a blessing and a curse. And he says it is up to you to choose. And friends, this is the difference between God and any other deity because we don't actually recognize that there is any other God beside him in accordance with scripture. But you get to realize that there are entities that are claiming to be gods and there are alternative ways of what you'd call vain worship that people want to follow and say their ways to God. I don't think there can be any other way except Christ Jesus, whom the Lord has appointed, as we see in Acts 4.12, and he says, for there's no salvation in any other name. But out of, you know, um, personal misconceptions and lies, people get to think that they can have another way to God. They tell you this prophet was good, so we can go through him. You can confess your sin through a man and go. And you have your forefathers, all these sorts of teachings that we hear. Um, and of course, they are vain and they are lies. And we pray that people shall have their eyes open so they can come to God. But the only way that God offers is the way of, you know, grace to of faith and personal commitment. You know, God prompts you within you. He prompts you, but he does not coerce you. He doesn't. It's the doctrine of predestination and, you know, personal will and commitment, which we cannot explain right now. That is a teaching of another day. So basically, that is what it is. Um, there is a glorious example, um, but that is very unfortunate. In uh, Jeremiah chapter 44, 
Um, in verse 15, still, uh, where the people reject God, listen to this, Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah 44, 15. It says, then all the men who were, uh, who were aware that their wives were burning sacrifices uh, to other gods, along with all the women who were standing by, as large as a large assembly, including all the people who were living in Pathros, this is Egypt, in the land of Egypt, responded to Jeremiah saying, as for the message that you have spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we are not going to listen to you. <laughs> oh dear, this is terrible. But rather, we will certainly carry out every word that has proceeded from our mouth by burning sacrifices to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, just as we ourselves our forefathers, our kings, and our princesses de did in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem. For when we had plenty, for then, <laughs> they claim, we had plenty of food and uh, were well of and so no misfortune. But since we stopped burning sacrifices to the queen of heaven and pouring out drink offerings to her, we've lacked everything and have uh, met our end by the sword and by famine and uh, said uh, the women when we were burning sacrifices to the queen of heaven and were pouring out drink offerings to her uh, was it without our husbands that we made for our sacrifice sacrifices sacrificial cakes in our image and poured out our drink offering so you see um, earlier on in Jeremiah 42, they had actually commissioned, the leaders of these people had commissioned Jeremiah, you know, uh, to go to God and ask him on their behalf, what is it that you want us to do? We shall follow, we shall follow through and do it. But listen, when Jeremiah came to them, they said, no, we're not going to do it. I mean, God doesn't coerce you, but that is the essence of revival. Friends, in our personal willpower, we go right ahead and we veer away from the Lord. We simply go away from him. Someone simply decides and says, I won't go to church. Someone says, the Bible are stories of these whites. By the way, let me teach here for people to understand. Faith did not go first to the whites like people say. I don't know why people call them whites anyway. I don't think they are white. I think they are pink. But... I mean, that's that's my personal view. <laughs> People say we are black. I don't think we are black. I think we are chocolate. I, I want to I want to move for um, you know, a, a paradigm shift in the way people see things. I I think I think we are not black. I think we are chocolate. Yeah, uh, but even if you want to say we are black, people are not, uh, the other people that we want to call white are not white. They are pink, for God's sake. They are pink. They should stop calling themselves white or saying they are white. Our brothers are pink and we are not black, we are chocolate. Friends, that is a subject of another day, but I need help on that. <laughs> you see that? So we are saying <clears throat> people depart away from God by a personal willpower. We simply depart away and we go. And you see, you don't pray the way you're meant to pray. Um, I was saying that people claim that um, uh, the Bible is stories from the whites. God did not come through what people call whites, the people I call pink. He didn't come through the pink people. No, God came through the Israelites. And that is the prophets were Israelites. You know, Jesus was a Jew. I don't know why people have to say that. These are the misconceptions that the devil plants and richly waters and in the lives of the people. 
So uh, the people should stop saying that. Actually, Christianity got here earlier than people think because, I mean, it, 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 it was in Egypt long before it was a Muslim country in one way or the other and long before missionaries ever came here. So people should stop arguing that these are stories of white men or pink men per se. You see? And someone completely refuses to submit to God. Why? Because he says they are stories of white pink men. Uh -huh. Someone, you know, says God hates me so um, because he doesn't provide for me. So I will not, I will not worship. Someone says I'm going to follow the religion of my forefathers. That we have a prophet who is a lying whatever. So we go there for pilgrimage, and someone has a choice. This is where the problem is, and this is why we appeal to your conscience and your inner man through your choice and your personal willpower that you will commit yourself to christ who is the only way to the father friends we are appealing to your personal willpower that you'll make that choice this is what the lord teaches and he says in second Corinthians chapter 5 from verse um 18 that was when paul says that we are pleading with you please be reconciled with god because from the beginning he has been reconciling men unto himself through christ jesus this is where it is it is christ jesus that can help us to have this revival we are going to be learning the foundations of revival that it is impossible for you to have revival without god turning man back to himself jesus teaches in john 6 44 and he says no one can come to me except if my father draws him you see uh, it cannot happen so our prayer is open up to christ to revive you bring you back to god and those that have never gone to god that you will be drawn through this wave of revival that we pray god will ignite that you'll be drawn to him you see we open up our hearts we study the word we pray we permit the holy spirit to operate and then the lord can reignite a revival that is going to touch the lives of men and women in amazing ways but the effects of covid will be uh, something uh, not to uphold but focus on the lord he works in us to will and to obey as we see in philippians 2 and 12 13 and he helps us to submit to him when jesus came this is the message that he made in Matthew 3, 1 and 4, 17, he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He is the one that can engineer revival. May the Lord bless you today, even as we turn to him. Bless us, O King of glory, and plant a revival in us. May women and men that have walked with you in, in deep intimacy, in deep passion, Lord, and have fallen away, may we be revived to you. We all, all of us need it. We need to pray better. We need to be deep in there. We need to discern things in the spirit. We need to see things the way that we are seeing them. We need to be encouraged. We need to stand above the storms and the sequels that are right now in the world. Father, we are craving for this. We need a revival where many people come to you, where many people are born again, O King of Glory. The church needs revival. The gospel that is being preached in our day, as we shall be learning, needs revival. We are preaching doctrines of men. We are promoting ourselves as pastors, promoting this wealth and health gospel. Today you're breaking through and you're getting this. And people are wallowing and dying in sin. We need revival as pastors, O King of Glory. We need revival as believers. We need revival. The church needs revival. It needs revival king of glory touch us and renew us touch us in our focus and commitment on you in jesus mighty name we've prayed amen